Welcome to this episode of Clarity Generates Confidence. And we're now entering season five, and it's just shifting from defense to offense. And I've, I've noted recently in, in it, some of the workshops that I've done, and even around the mindset of people and all the news that goes on in the world, that we just haven't got ourselves into being more on the offense side of of the business side of things, even maybe personally. And so I, I can't tell you how delighted I am to have Barry with me here today. Barry, who I've known for a few years now from Strategic Coach, it's always where a lot of people come from. But I really like his thinking. We've always had great conversations with each other. And, you know, Barry's an entrepreneur and the founder of Business with Purpose. And so with that, Barry's got lots of experience. And so, Barry, thank you for so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Gary. I appreciate it. You, you know, it's it's been... It's been a really interesting time lately. And I, I want to go to an expression that, because you've been involved in strategic coach and I get involved in with some of the behind the scenes work of helping see what, what's coming next in terms of some of the workshops. And Kathy Davis has been a person that I've worked with and she's works on pulling together the the new programs that are coming up, some of the materials. And she mentioned to me back in August and I thought, ah, I'd be done by now, you know, as we come in now in the beginning of the of 2023 is six months ago. She said, said re-entry is weird. And I go, what do you mean by that, Kathy? And she says, well, people just aren't coming back the way that they did beforehand. And, you know, deal, you deal with a number of organizations and, and does that, are you finding this at all, Barry, or is that just a phenomenon that we're seeing from a small portion of the population? I think that most people are experiencing re-entry in, in that type of world. And I was actually in in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and visiting a client and I went up to the office space and it was this grandiose office space. It wasn't the client's office space. It was, it was one of their, they're a vendor to this company, this big conglomerate. And I took the elevator and you had to have this special key to get in. So I didn't have one. They let me in. You could only go to the seventh floor. I had never experienced that. There were no buttons inside the elevator. I could only go where I was going. And I took this elevator ride with this gentleman and I had a conversation with him. And he was talking about how he was trying this new experiment. And I said, what experiment is that? And he said, well, I'm trying to get all the people here and saying, hey, you can show up. Now, this is a tech, it's a, it's a giant tech corporation. I'll tell you that. And so I go and I'm like, what do you mean show up? And he said, yeah, only 50, we have this huge building. We have this, all these great things and we only have 15% occupancy. And he takes me in there and he shows me the refrigerator and they've got beer in there and they've got all the espressos and all that. And he says, they're trying to do this to attract people back to the workplace. And I said, well, I hate to let you down, but I have all this stuff at my house and I'm sure they do too. <laughs> Right. And the cafeteria, and I, I, I'm sure your cafeteria food's good, but my food's better. I order from Butcher Box. I get great quality meat. I've learned to cook like crazy. This is not going to do it. And I told him, I said, "Do you know what?" And I said, "I'm a business coach, so do you know the advice? Would you like to know the advice that I give people?" And Gary, you know, I'm a pretty direct guy to get them to come back to I work. Love I love it. And he said, what's that? I said, you tell them to come back to freaking work. That's <laughs> going to get them back to work. People love direction, right? And they don't want to come back to work because they don't realize what they've missed. They have no idea what they missed. And it's the rough edges of being human. 
And no matter what, we love being human, but especially Chicago, I can't imagine the friction that it takes to get to downtown Chicago every day. And we want to reduce friction. I actually talk about this with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of sales leaders. And I'm like, if you don't reduce friction with your clients and your employees, you're in trouble. Yep. That's, so, you know, that, go ahead. No, re-entry. That's, that's how you get people to re-enter. Well, you know, you're a great one because you know, and actually the science side of it, I'm an engineer by training, is that there's a huge amount of friction on re-entry. That's the highest heat requirement in the whole space missions. They have to have special heat shields and the and the ceramic shields and everything because the heat generated and the friction, it's because of friction. You don't think of it, but the air at those speeds has a tremendous amount of friction. Sorry to be science guy for the rest of you, but I love ah, it. I love it. That, and, I'm, I'm making notes because that's going into my next talk. Well, good. You know, just tell them you got it from me. I'm okay with that otherwise. No royalty free, of course, but anyway. But, <laughs> but, the, but, but you made, what made me think of it? And I'm, just because... Re-entry is, and using it's the only time I really think about that word is from the space type of context, generates a tremendous amount of friction. And, if, and I really love the concept of trying to reduce friction. And because people don't, you're absolutely right, people don't know what they're missing. They just don't know. Like I haven't traveled very much. I'm about to go travel again. And, but I used to travel a hundred days a year. And I kind of got, used to coming into the office every day. I still come in every day. We have about 30% that come in every day, but we don't get any further than that. <laughs> but I, I really like that. I really, I really like that idea. So what do you, what do you, so what do we need to do to reduce friction? I mean, I'd like, like to go down that path a little bit. Well, what have you, what have you found? I think the biggest friction is in people's heads. They think it's harder than it is when they, when they remember what, they went through when they were going to work and and but back then it was not something that was a big deal and so when you just tell people and give them directions of what they need to do to come to work to is to come to work that that is reducing friction in their life because they're trying to make a decision between whether to come to work or stay at home now the other thing that i have is they may even want to come back to work but they have outside forces called spouses who are like, no, your life is easier. And then I go back to pre, you know, pre-pandemic. My wife was a pediatric nurse practitioner. And, you know, I always tell people now that she quit that side hustle to work for our business full time. <laughs> from home. <laughs> yeah, from home. And well, I've been a work from home dad for almost 10 years. And so she would go to work and where you have a lot of the traditional you know, in, in a traditional American world where, you know, the, 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 the man would leave home and, you know, in the 1950s, kill something, drag it home and come home. I w we were reversed way before it was cool because I was building a business and, and my business has always been a coaching business. Right. I was, I started out as a sales coach and then I became an implementer because I thought it was going to be a add on to my sales business because the funniest story I think that, I, that I've told, but wasn't funny at the time was that we increased sales so much at this one company that it almost put them out of business. 
because they didn't have the operations to support said sales. And I handed them a book and I said, look, you know, I used this EOS system traction to get what I wanted for my business. And so, and, and helped me with the operations, maybe it'll help you too. And then I did some research in it and I'm a teacher and I'm like, oh, you can get certified in EOS. And so I could help these clients with that as well as sales training because you know that's what high quick starts do we just do things immediately (laughs) and you know i'm high fact finder as well and so what we did is went to boot camp and that's how we became business with purpose with two sides of our business one for sales and one for for leadership teams and and at the time i thought it was operations right (laughs) process and we have this beautiful meshing almost accidental it's a happy accident so do you still, are you still, do you still work as an implementer as well as the, as the business sales coach? I do more implementing than I do sales training. Okay. And so I have a sales trainer and we, and, and I, and I do some sales training, but he does the heavy lifting in that more than I do. His name's Aldo and I do more implementing. And then what, by doing that, it helps him with sales training. And then once they get doing that, then a lot of times they'll just have us come in for sales training to make it even operate more. So it's this meshing of things. So are you finding any called different or unique opportunities now than say three years ago? I mean, is anything, what's emerging from this? Because now that we know things are a little bit weird coming out. And so what, what are businesses, what are the businesses seeing? What kind of opportunities yeah. are they seeing? The unique opportunities and, 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 you know, we can talk about it's the unique opportunity is this and in, in a world of we think was more certain pre pandemic is actually more uncertain in people's minds. Right. But I, I really like to think that nothing has changed except for our attitudes. And here's the funniest thing about the way I, I did. I, I, I was teaching online before it was ever cool. And so when I was going from in, in 2019, I was starting to go from teaching online, just like we are here, to teaching in person. And then everybody else started teaching online because of the pandemic. And I'm like pushing more to go in person. And I started helping other people understand this technical stuff of video and, you know, microphones and all the things, right? right? Online teaching. And people didn't understand Zoom. They didn't, they didn't know, had never heard of it before, a lot of people. And I was helping them do that. Well, now there's this hybrid everywhere. And it's funny, I was already doing that. And, and, I just out of necessity because most of my clients were nationwide and I was teaching salespeople and the best way to do that is online. But when I first got into it, the company that I started subcontracting for, because I was a subcontractor, I was 1099 first and had to figure that world out. And so I was teaching people via the telephone and being a, you know, at the time, 38 year old, you know, I, I call it being a 38 year old millennial because that was back then <laughs> the, 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 the term that everybody yep. would use. I'm like, why are we using the telephone to coach people when we have video? And it wasn't as stable as it is today, not even close, but I wasn't going to let that 
deter me because I'm like the video experience would be extremely more valuable than a phone call ever would. And so we started training people face-to-face via video and it did, it worked out way better. And so we started inventing this before and uncertain there, there are some things that you need in your life there. The uncertainty is a really fantastic thing to have. It makes you feel alive. Most people want certainty, but uncertainty is what makes you feel more alive. It makes you feel ready to conquer the world. And that, that that's why we like to, to travel on roller coaster, right? Anybody travel on a roller coaster? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. That's why we like to take roller coasters because it feels uncertain, but it has a huge level of certainty. We know it's not gonna <laughs> malfunction pretty much, but it feels uncertain. And that's why you like roller coasters. That's why you like to be an entrepreneur because it feels so uncertain. And in the world of entrepreneurship, And this is what I had to really convince my wife of. And I didn't. Somebody else actually helped her saying very similar things that I say to other people because she's not going to listen to me, I'm sure. Just like we don't listen to our spouse. I don't either. And so I said, man. thing, this is not a confessional, by the way. It is not. Right. (laughs) So risky. Risk is what people call uncertainty. Right. Risk. And I'm like, well. What's risky, what I found out years ago, what's risky is having one person who's your only client called the boss. And they're the only person who hands you a check every week. If they somehow have an emotional day and fire you for for no apparent reason, you still have no check. For an entrepreneur, we have all these different avenues, all these different bosses. And if one of us fires us, man, we still have all these other avenues of revenue. That is more certainty, but it feels uncertain to people. And so that's a decision I made a long time ago with the help of my mentors, right? That helped me go through that same, that same idea. Well, now my wife is not working for the traditional boss and it's been about eight months. And my brother mm. asked her, he said, Would you, when are you going to go back to, to work? And she says, I, I can't go back to work after experiencing this level of freedom. No, no. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a couple of things you brought up that I wanted to go through is that you talk about risk and entrepreneur. And I always ask that when we were getting this kind of conversation with the entrepreneurs and I go, why'd you become an entrepreneur? Well, they'll talk about freedom. You know, and we have freedom and with coaches term is freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose. We all want to go for freedom. And then I, th- and I said, well, they say entrepreneurs take risk. And I said, did you think you were going to fail when you became an entrepreneur? And they said, no. Then I said, you didn't take any risk then. <laughs> I said, right. everybody else thinks you take risk, but for me, we don't take risks. To me, it was a bigger risk to stay working. And I was working for DuPont. I'd been there for eight years in that time. And I could, you know, I was on this track and I just said, I can't do it. I just, that's a bigger risk for me to stay than it is to go out. And so I'm going to take this and move it into, you know, as, as we started this conversation, I said, I got started off this, this season is move, shifting from defense to offense. And just this just this whole point about being an entrepreneur is that you when you go working for somebody else and you got one person giving you a paycheck, and by the way, I clashed a lot with the people that were my bosses. So I realized that I called them SCA, serious career 
SCI, serious career impediments. <laughs> and so I said, I'm not, I've, I've just got too many SCIs against me right now to stay here. <laughs> so this is not going to work. And so that was the defense side. And I said, well, if I'm going to go out, now we have to be what you call proactive or others talk about taking risk, but you have to go on offense. You now put yourself out there. And as we were doing a little preamble before we got this on here, you had said you had some thoughts about going from defense to offense. And I'd love to hear your take on this one, Barry. So I don't even think that I've been the type of person that has ever played defense. And so, you know, I'm from Kentucky. We have Kentucky basketball and we, we just have the, and, 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 and when we played growing up in high school and we had this idea that the best defense is a, is a great offense. And you've heard that before, but most people will say it, but they don't really believe it. And so at my core, going back to it, I'm a salesperson and I, I, I don't even see myself. The only time, the only reason I see myself as an entrepreneur is because people like you told me I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> They're like, oh, you do this. You, you, you make your own money for yourself. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a great salesperson. I, I, I do sales. And you're like, no, you're, you're an entrepreneur. And I'm like, I am. I had no clue. <laughs> I thought that I was just a salesperson who, who, who lived and died by offensive sales. Right. I would never play defense in sales. Defensive salespeople never make the first call. They wait for calls to come in. And so if you ask my, you know, people ask me like, you know, how do you see yourself? And I'm like, well, and I told you all, like most of my business that I perform personally is EOS. Well, I, I tell people I ha I'm a salesperson who happens to be an EOS implementer because that's the only way I know to grow a business. Right. And we've, we've all heard the four stages of growth, right? You started unconsciously incompetent. You don't know that you're not very good. This is when people get on American Idol. They sing. They are terrible. Their parents didn't love them. And it's proof by <laughs> their parents didn't tell them that they were terrible. Because you have to protect your kids from that, right? Maybe that's why I like watching those shows. I don't know. I oh, don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> we, we love the uncertainty. We were talking about it earlier, the train wreck. And so the, the second one is, is this conscious incompetence. Now Simon Cal tells them, Hey, you're terrible. I don't think he's on the show anymore, but that's what he used to do. And they went in that moment from unconsciously incompetent to conscious competence. And they have the breakdown of their life. And that's why you like watching it. Then that's where stinking thinking can happen. So you have to be careful there. You'll get stuck in the rut. And Zig Ziglar says a rut's just the grave with the end kicks out. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten about that. One. That's yeah. good. And so you work hard, you, you learn, you grow. The worst thing that people call me is a natural salesperson. I hate it. Natural speaker, natural, whatever, because I'm thinking, well, I spent the last 20 years of my life working this hard and, and I didn't have to, cause I'm a natural. Well, man, I'm a big, I'm a big idiot. So you work hard and you go from consciously incompetent to now you're consciously competent. You, you can do it. You have to think about it, but you can do it. You do that for say 10,000 hours, right? They say, and then you become unconsciously competent. And then I've added a fifth stage, which is identity. It, hmm. Once you do that long enough, it, it becomes who you are. And so you, you get to have an identity of something. I'm a salesperson and, and my teacher, well, my, regular identity is I'm a student. I love to learn. Yep. 
And so when you're a student, you can't help but to teach because when you're a student, you have to constantly ask questions to get a greater understanding. And through those questions, you, you become a teacher of, of concepts. And so that's where you go. And now when I teach or we teach salespeople, we teach them to walk through that to become this identity. And it's not always be closing the ABC. I it's like what you said about that. Yeah. Always be cultivating. You cultivate relationships and then you can enjoy the harvest, right? And offense is constantly planting seeds. You don't take offense against the sun, the rain, the, the water, and the earth. You, <laughs> you, you play offense with those things, and you, right. you don't blame them either. Because if you're playing defense, you're blaming the sun, the rain, the earth. So offense is the way to be. Yeah. Well, not thank you. Not only that, it's that if people who blamed their lockdowns and other things, unless you, it was your business that you were not allowed to operate and, and you granted you couldn't do those things in the hospitality yeah. and other areas. But for the rest of us, we had to go and say, well, what are we going to, how do we want to operate? If we wait for somebody else to tell us, which as we, you pointed out, is not something we're going to do. We turn around and, and we, we put that together. I want to address that point is that I, and you've seen me as a coach, and I didn't go through any of my life until I was in my 30s or 40s, actually, before somebody said, Gary, you should be a coach. And in fact, it was Dan Sullivan asked me one day, he said, how would you like to be a coach? Hmm. Sitting up there. I never saw it. So whatever, one of your stages, certainly unconscious about it. And, and then I sat there and thought about it. So I said, well, you know what? It would be really good to have a skill that's independent of any business because I watched my father and my father-in-law both get retired from the work they were in. And they were bears when that, in their life when that happened because people told them that they weren't useful. So I said, you know what? I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur, but you, know, you may not always have your business. Things happen in that business. Things go on. So I said, I, I, made, a, I made a conscious decision. If I did something for 20 or 25 years, I'd probably know something about it. So back in my 40s, I got the opportunity to be a coach. And, um, and here it is 26 years later, but I got a little, little cute story that after 20 years, I was sitting around the table of all these other coaches and Dan Sullivan was there. And, and I told this little story about having to have a skill, you know, quotes taken to my retirement. And I don't, I don't use retirement because I don't like to be put out of use, which is what retirement means. Right. And, and I, I mentioned, I said, you know, if I did something for about 20 or 25 years, I'd probably be good at it. And this was when I was getting celebrated for 20 years. And Dan Sullivan turns to me and says, you got five more years to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And so, but you know, it's interesting that you say that because when I think back over that process and I went back over my life when I was, when I was asked if I would be a coach, I realized I've been doing some of these things most of my life. So was I a natural at it? I certainly unconscious, but I, 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 I like what you put, and I'm going to ask you to to go over those things, the those the success the the traits of a successful salesperson, and you you brought up the last one, number five. They know that uh, that they know that ABC stands always be cultivating, and you you might like to know that one of our our I always forget the the terminology for it, but one one of our our not our purpose, but the, the way that we operate is mutually beneficial long term relationships. So we have to be cultivating. That's part of our part of our, our way of operating in our business. That that's what we look for. So we've always got to be cultivating. So I, I really gravitated that. But you had four others successful traits. Maybe uh, what I really liked. Maybe if you just take a couple of minutes and tell us about those those 
four and you got the fifth one there and why you picked those ones barry well so so there's there's there is four and and one of them is they're you know self-starting learners right and so you have to be or get to be a self-starter in life and if you're not always learning and you're not a self-starter it's impossible to motivate people motivation is external it, it literally has the word motive in it right where inspiration comes from a word that means in spirit and which means you already possess it now you can get around people such as yourself one of the biggest reasons i'm in strategic coach is because of other like-minded people and a coach like you who draws what's already in me out of me what what you didn't know and and you know i rarely will say this but in all you know vulnerability I'm not feeling a hundred percent today. Now I hope you didn't I hope you don't feel that. No, absolutely but not. What's funny is I had a little bit of a back pain, which had a little bit of a headache, but since I've been on with you, I haven't even noticed it. And I don't I, right now it, 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 I still can't feel it because in spirit, you pulled what was already in me out of me, even when I'm not feeling great. And now I feel great. That's the difference between self-starting learners, but we have to have people help us with that. Doesn't mean that we we're, we're individualists. You know, there's three type of dependence. There's dependence for, I always say for five-year-olds. Yep. <laughs> there's independence and then there's intra-dependence, right? And, and so I'm intra-dependent with you, Gary, and we'll have our session, you know, this week and that will help me grow. But every morning I get to get up and read and write. And I use on average, it's about two to three hours a day. It started out at being 20 minutes. Well, then you grow that uh, through the, you grow and, and you do it for more. Right. Now, this is someone who is in remedial reading when I was in seventh grade. And so I, I didn't start out as a natural. Well, how do you become a natural? Well, you learn. And then number two, they are persuasive problem solvers. And so when we, great salespeople, if you give them a problem, they, and they have a solution, then they will persuade you to use what's in your, what's mutual beneficial to you that will solve your problem. And therefore I get what I want. It's the old Zig Ziglar. If you help enough people get what they want out of life, you can have everything in life that you want. Zig is my hero. Yeah, I can tell. Perfect. Yeah. Every time I say something, I'm like, look, it's not me. It's Zig. Okay. But since he's not around, I'm going to pick up the mantle. And I, and, and I became a, a Ziglar certified trainer, which was cool. But wow. it's all this learning. Number three, they have an insatiable desire to succeed. It's like eating a steak. You eat that first bite, well, by the end of it, you're satiated, you're filled. But su success to people, it's insatiable. It's not that we're not happy until we, we, we have it, but it's the gap in the gain, right? I love in the beginning of the gap in the gain where he talks about, where Dan talks about, he, the, the, the biggest problem is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, happiness right? Yeah. It's life, liberty, and the expansion of happiness. I like that better. Yeah. 
And then I hear Seth Godin talk about the problem with America is we have a statue of liberty, but we don't have a statue of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that, 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 that's where I'm from in the South, they, we say that'll preach. Yeah. Right. That will preach. And then we have an insatiable desire to succeed because there's always another level of success. I'm already happy. I might as well succeed more. And I, I call it living in the land of Ur. You know, I'm happy. Er, if 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 you nice. have, and money and money will help you le- live in the land of Ur. If you're a sad person, you're going to be sadder. If you're a happy person, you're going to be happier. Happier. I grew up on, on government cheese food stamps and, and a single wide trailer in Kentucky. Now, not everybody has that type of of advantage. I get it. So, we can be Ur. So number four, they're confident because they practice. Yes. They practice, they drill, and they rehearse. Early in my sales career, I heard a guy say, practice, drill, rehearse. And that was Tom, uh, Tom Hopkins. He's another mm-hmm. hero of mine. He'd say, just practice, drill, and rehearse. Practice, drill, and rehearse. And so my first sales, I got out of the Marine Corps. My first sales job, I went to it. I went to the interview, and I crushed the interview. And you know how I know I crushed the interview, Gary? That's that. I got the job. <laughs> Perfect. I, I showed up on day one and I realized everybody who was waiting for the interview also got the job. And I'm like, oh, everybody got the job. This is sales. It's, com- it's straight commission. Why wouldn't they hire us? I look back on it now. Day one, my sales trainer said, listen, here's your script. If you don't memorize it by Friday, you're fired. <laughs> I, d- I show up on day two. Half the people aren't there anymore. Right. Like, this is great. Well, I was in the Marine Corps. I'm like, I'm going to do this. So I learned it on Thursday. I delivered it on Thursday and I actually ran, ran my first sales call on Friday because I did it Thursday because I thought, man, if I fail, I get another day. Why not? So they, they're confident because they practice. So that's the time I learned. I'm like, if I just practice drill and rehearse, I don't have to be a natural. I just show up and I know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Deep acting. Number five, they they know what ABC stands for, and you mentioned it. Always be cultivating, cultivating relationship. People don't want to be closed, but they're happy to help you cultivate the relationship. And then, at the end of the day, like they're they're happy to buy what you're selling if it works for them. And and you know what, I I really love those things. And I I got a young young lady, Jenny, who's just pulled into the sales for us. Never had any really formal training. Call her business development, so she didn't feel. She's a she's a person who came on board, and she'd worked like at a, at the cashiers at like a Ace Hardware kind of thing, and came to work for us and answered phone. Just a lovely person on the phone, helped everybody. Very disarm disarming by her voice. So we make sure any quality complaints would come in would go to Jenny, because Jenny would just smooth it all over. And then yeah. I went by her I went by her desk one day and I go, you know what? You'd be really good in inside sales. And I said, boy, oh boy, if looks could kill, she, the daggers would be shooting out of her at me, everything like that. I said, oh my God, what did I just say to her? Somebody had to go talk her down, you know, because the boss just walked by and said, you'd be good in sales. You know <laughs> You know what? Here it is. Spin it along later. Customers inside customer sales. Now she's going outside and visiting customers. And I go, I saw it back then because she had that Coming to your point, she couldn't see that it was there for. But what a what a I mean, I love those transformations. I love the cultivating all those pieces that uh, that that makes so much sense for that. And wow, 
Do you know, Barry, we've been an hour, we've been half an hour already. I mean, this has been amazing. This has gone super fast and it's, you know, we'll, we'll do, we'll do this again because you get so much more to share with everything, but you know, just, just before we go, then anything else, any final comments you'd like to give to the audience? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you can't, Dr. Joyce brother said that you cannot consistently perform at a level that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. And, and, you know, she said that she saw her, you know, you call it biz dev because you don't want to call it sales because you don't want to see it a certain way. And, and that's the number one issue that I have to convince people or help them understand is that sales is not the same as con artistry. And so when you can understand that and own it, right, you're not out there being a con artist. You're out there being a professional salesperson. And that's very different and you're helping people. And that's where I would, I would land the plane today because that is the number one thing that if people can get past that, they can really live a great life and then help people with, with a, with a really clear conscience. Well, I've, I've been in and around sales since the late seventies and I've always, my expression is I like to set it up. So people want, want to buy from me. I don't have to sell them. I want them to buy from me because it's in their interest to do so. Yeah. And when I have that, when I have that attitude for it and I get it through the organization, it just is, you feel, yeah, you're not a car and artist. Yeah. Uh, and, and honest, uh, and also if people are interested in, and, and I, I'll give it away a hundred percent for free is I have a seven step sales process that I lay out for every company that I ever teach. And if they want to email me at barry at bwcoach.com, I'll give them that seven-step sales process. And then they can just plug in their product service company to it. And it'll give them a framework of, of how to do it very easily. No, no, And it doesn't cost a dime. Well, Barry, this has been awesome today. I was looking forward to it. And I we... We've had a great conversation. I look forward to seeing you when we come to the, the workshops as well. And so for, for all of our, our audience out there, until next time, please stay safe and stay healthy. <music>